Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The kids off to your individual youth rooms will have all three classes today. Good morning, everybody. So good to have you here today. Beautiful day. We are enjoying it. We are continuing on in our series all through the month of March around worship. Worship as one of the purposes, obviously, of the church. And worship as a verb, meaning we do worship. And we're looking at the book of Acts, written by Luke, for what we can learn from the first century church about the worshiping church and what that means. Now, if you were with us, you recall that the first week we talked about dare, dare to believe and receive. And then last week we talked about prayer, prayer and the preparation that goes into worship and seeking and studying God as our acts of worship. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about a texting challenge. Do you remember that? We talked about how every time we communicate with somebody else, we were going to challenge ourselves to also communicate with God. How'd that go? <laughs> Alan laughs. <laughs> well, for me, I, did, I was not perfect at it. Go figure. But as I started to text people or as I started to communicate, I went back through my phone this morning. And so it was things like when I would, it was just the simple things of life, right? So it'd be like texting Brad, I'll be home around five. And then I'd text God and say, God, thank you that I have a home. Stuff like that. And it starts that flow of communication that we recognize Every time we're communicating. And so another just really simple thing of life. Did you go let the dogs out at lunch today? And it's like, God, thank you for creating dogs. Or whatever it happens to be that our conversations, our day-to-day -day conversations with one another can all turn into God conversations of thanks or of requests or of out of concerns like Megan was mentioning earlier. And that's just such a cool thing. So for me, it provided a lot of joy this week. So let's keep that challenge going, that every time we're communicating with one another, we also just take a moment to say, and you too, God, thank you. Or you too, God, enter into my situation today. And that was wonderful. Anyway, for me it was. But uh, today we're talking about what it means to care, to care as an act of worship. So what does that mean? Well, it really comes down to using the gifts that we've been given, our God-given gifts, to meet needs. And that is an ongoing act of worship. And our focus is on a challenge that the book of Acts shows to us and how to share the load and share the love as worship back to God. So let's look at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, or the, the Greeks, among them complained against the Hebraic or the, the Hebrew, the original Jewish population, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, just right then and there, you see what happens, don't you? It's all good until the numbers start increasing. But isn't that a good thing? 
Isn't it a great thing that the numbers increased? The numbers of disciples was increasing. Of course, it's a good thing. But what happens? It gets complicated, right? The number of disciples increases, the number of needs increases. And there's all sorts of possibilities to miss something. Things start falling through the cracks, like the distribution of food to, to, to widows, basically. Or we start to wonder about what, what about me in this process of everything. So they were in that place. You know, this whole thing called ministry, this whole thing that, that's called the church would be really, really simple if it weren't for people. <laughs> stupid people. Not stupid people. Stupid opportunities to mess things up, and don't we? We do. So this is not unique back in the day, but what did they do? So we read on, and it says, so the 12 gathered the 12, the leaders, right, the original disciple leaders, those who were guiding this new thing called the church. There was no blueprint for this except for the one that Jesus had given us. And they gathered together and they said, it would not be right for us ne to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, I want to pause you right there and say that didn't mean that they felt that they were too good to distribute food. It just meant they knew what they were being called to do, first and foremost, and that was to study God's word and to share it with people. So they say, brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our time and attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Okay, this is, this is kind of cool, and this is really instructive for us as the church. And there is order in God's kingdom. There is order in God's kingdom. And it's so cool because he gives us all natural skills and abilities, and he gives those who believe in him spiritual gifts to use for his glory in service to others. And that's part of our worship back to him, is plugging into that, understanding what it is, and then using it. Now, this isn't a classist kind of thing. There isn't a highest order of gifts and a lowest order of gifts. Gifts are gifts, and they're all needed. And it's not about being rigid that we can't just jump in to help. Somebody spills the coffee, we all clean it up, right? But as part of ministry and as part of worship, God has wired everybody in this room uniquely, and it's a beautiful thing. He calls us the body, right? that we all have something to share and contribute. And when we do that, great things happen. Doesn't mean there won't be miscommunication, doesn't mean some things don't fall through the cracks or that people are impacted by that and, and they can be upset and, and it can be confusing, but we work through it as the body. That's so cool. So it's not about rigidity and it's not about being who has a higher order of gifts, but we wanna look at what back then in the early church, what they did when they were faced with this challenge of meeting needs because their numbers were increasing. Well, first they realized that that core team couldn't do everything. Isn't that the case? They weren't, wasn't that they weren't too good to serve food. They just realized that, that there's, that we were all ministers in a ministry and that different people have different ways of serving how they're wired. They also realized that others had gifts, that they weren't just the special people. So they gave ministry away 
in order that they could stay true to their own God-given assignment and to allow others to find theirs while meeting needs. Now, this really is a blueprint for us as a church. And it's so good when we do this. And it seems so simple, but it can be a challenge, right? So how do these things called spiritual gifts, what are they and how do they work? Well, we look at first and foremost the, the idea that we have to accept the gift. God gives all of humanity natural talents for good uses in our world. Are there any, any of you out there that are really good at math? All right, Crystal's good at math, Steve's good at math. I'm not good at math. But you were probably good at math all your life, right? It's a natural, <laughs> those of you who are, were probably good at it all, all your life. You know, there's these natural things and it comes in very useful in the world. Others have different talents that irrespective of their relationship with God, he's just endowed us with certain things that we just have natural talents around. But spiritual gifts, they can be connected to your natural talents. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But those are given to you at the time in which you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you come to that place where you understand that I am a sinner, I have messed up, I have fallen short of God's perfect, perfectness. Only he is perfect. And Lord, I need what Jesus did, what he did for me, that he died in my place for my sin that I could be connected back in a right relationship with God by accepting this gift that he gives me called salvation, eternal life. And when I do that, when any one of us does that, God gives us power. He gives us his power to use through us, and that comes with spiritual giftedness. And so I used to teach a kind of a class on this, and I, I'd, I'd have them introduce me as Ann Kafer, spiritually gifted child of God. And people would look at me like, who does she think she is? But isn't that our title? Isn't that every one of your titles? When you have called upon the name of Jesus, you become a spiritually gifted child of God. And I can't imagine anything better on a business card. It trumps CEO any day or whatever else you might want on that title spiritually gifted child of God. And so sometimes we start talking about this giftedness thing and we think back to grade school and the gifted class and you know those kinds of things. This is what God wants for us. You are in fact a spiritually gifted child of God. And so it's not something weird. It's something beautiful that he puts into our world. And why does he do that? To build up the church, scripture tells us. To be this body that grows and thrives, that's what we're all about this year, right? And reaches out and touches others and brings them together. Paul talks about this a great deal in his letters to the Corinthians and the Ephesians. And of course, the book of Acts is all around the early church starting with Paul and Peter at varying places. And Jesus himself is the one who activates these gifts inside of us. You know, you can't activate a spiritual gift out of obligation. Now you can be asked to serve and you can go, oh, I didn't really want to do that, but I will. That's not employing your spiritual gift. It's a love response to what Jesus has done for us that, that willingly says, yes, 
I want to put this gift to work for you, Lord, and I'll do it. And it may not be easy, but it will be good. It will be good. Sometimes it's aligned with our natural talents, and other times it manifests itself in a different way. And scripture tells us that we all have at least one gift. So everybody's on the hook. But scripture also tells us that nobody has them all, so we can't get all prideful about it. There's no complete master list in scripture because God is God, and he has the God-given right to employ these gifts as they're needed in our world. But there are lists within scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans chapter 12. Some of them revolve around teaching, but there's also healing and helping and guidance and giving and faith. There's all sorts of gifts. And the sum total of this, as Paul talks about giftedness in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he closes that chapter saying, but the most excellent gift, let me, let me share with you what all of these come together to do. So the teaching and the giving and the faith and the guidance and the encouragement and the exhortation and all of that comes together as the church to create love. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which we know is the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind, all of those things. So he's talking about all these gifts, and they come into the world for a reason. They're manifested through you and me for one singular purpose in the end, and that's to create love, because God is love. Cool, isn't it? That he wants to use us in this way, and he gives us the gifts to do so. So the first critical step, of course, is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and then accept the gift that he has planted into your life. The second thing is we need to activate that gift because it's been given. If, if, if you've accepted him, that gift has been given. And so how do you know what your gift is? Well, we go back to the book of Acts and that core group knew that they were needed to study God's word and to teach it to others. That was their gift. That was their mission, if you will. And they would and had to share that gift as the church would advance and continue. They passed off that gift. Paul passed it to Timothy and others that we see in scripture of that teaching and studying piece. And we all have a place in that, but it may not necessarily be our actual spiritual gift. But they were leaders also that asked others to get involved based on what Jesus, the gift that Jesus had planted into their lives. And one of the foremost ways that we can determine what our gift is, is what other, other believers speak into our lives. And have you ever had somebody say, you know, when you do X, it just seems so easy, so effortless. When Ann Janelle sings, it just seems so easy, so effortless. And that's a natural gift, but that's also a spiritual gift, isn't it? The way in which that invites us into worship and others have these gifts all around us. And so the feedback that we get based on our giftedness is many times, and then you go, well, what? There's, we generally, our, our response when somebody compliments us, another believer compliments us on our gift is, well, that's, I'm just being me. Yeah, that's how you know you're using your gift. When you're just being you and you're contributing 
into worship that way, it's easy. Now, what you might be asked to do may not be easy, but the opportunity to enter into it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So other believers can recognize our gifts. And many times, we just need to try some things. We just need to try a variety of things and see what works. Long, long ago, I knew that God had called me to teach. And at first, you know, I had opportunities. I, I, Brad and I, when, when Ben was in junior high, we led junior high ministry. Now, we did that because of Ben. <laughs> I am not gifted to teach children. And that became really clear really quickly because it's just not my thing. And that's okay. So you also have to try some things and figure out what is and what isn't. And the kids were really pretty clear in telling me that it wasn't my thing, too. You know how that works, right? Because I wanted them to sit and listen to me for an hour. You get 90 seconds at best with junior high. you got to make your little impact, and then they want you to just have all sorts of fun. And I wanted them to learn, right? Giftedness. It flows. It doesn't mean we don't have to grow and stretch and, and, and endure those and, you know, change our style. But giftedness is that sweet spot. So part of the challenge is asking yourself, what do you love? What do you love? And then, of course, ask yourself, who do you love? Is there a particular group of people or stage of life or whatever it happens to be? And then the final question in that whole thing, I think is the most important, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? You'll find your giftedness in the answer to all three of those questions, but particularly that last one. What breaks your heart? Because God's put that good kind of brokenness in us to challenge us to do something in this world, to address that need. The third thing that is just so good about this spiritual giftedness is that we get to celebrate that gift with joy as we give it. Your joy comes through your gifts. Think about it this way. I know when I'm in my sweet spot. What are you doing? Who are you with? And when do you ever answer the question, I get to do this for God? That's your sweet spot. That's your giftedness. And I couldn't tell you how much it thrills me to see people enter into their giftedness because they come alive. You see it in their eyes. You see it in their actions. Again, it doesn't mean that it's always easy, but they're living out the mission that God has had for their lives, and those gifts are needed, and they are clearly, they're needed in our world all over the place. They're needed in our homes. They're needed in our workplaces. They're needed in our schools. They're needed everywhere we go, and yes, they are needed in the church. The gifts are needed. And we've been building up here. We've been talking about praying. And you have some, some sheets on the table in front of you that you know, talks about praying about where you feel, where, you, where God is telling us that Friends and Family Church is headed into the future. God's leading us to a preferred vision that he has for this place. I, I sincerely ask you to pray about that. Write it down. We'll talk about it because on March 29th, the last uh, Sunday of the month, when we do our fellowship meal here, we're going to have a, a, a meeting, if you will, but really it's a conversation. We're going to have a conversation 
around where God is leading us. And that's going to come into play with how you believe God's gifted you and what opportunities there are to employ your gift so that you can celebrate it with joy and share it with the rest of us. There's all sorts of gifts needed here. Gifts of helps. I, w- I was just thinking about this morning as I was, I was looking out, I was opening the door and I was looking out the window and, you know, we got we to gotta clean this, sp- spruce this place up just like we do our houses for spring cleaning. And, and we've got we to gotta deal with the flower beds outside and we got to update the sign and, and it's stuff we got to do. But somebody's gifted in, in enjoying that and to celebrate new life as we move towards Resurrection Sunday and those kinds of things. We've had this wonderful opportunity through the Christian Activity Center in East St. Louis, and we've got tons of opportunities right here in this community to do outreach and service at the Jesus House, at the Babyfold, other places that we've gone, other places you know and would love to have friends and family involved. And somebody in here is excited about serving beyond these four walls. We need your help. Mr. Jason's going to leave us and move to warmer climes at some point. We need some tech help. We need creativity and, and technical skills as that comes to pass. We need so many things. We, you know, it's, it, it is such an opportunity as we move forward in this ministry. So I sincerely ask you to pray and to participate not only in that session, in that dialogue at the end of the month here, but to just be really praying about what God's gifted you to do and what the opportunities might be and we'll come together to create a master plan around that. It is such a joy to be able to come and to worship the Lord, to worship him together. And the challenge to all of us is to care enough to use your gifts, to meet the needs as an ongoing act of worship, not out of obligation, but out of love, because he calls us to love. And our way of loving one another is sharing what we have. It's a privilege. It's a pleasure. And it's an opportunity that you don't want to miss. Will you pray with me? Father God, we love you. We love you so much. You are love. And it's because you first loved us that we get the opportunity to love you back and to show the world your love through the giftedness, the stuff, the, the, the talents that you have planted in each and every one of us. I can't wait to see what you're going to continue to do in and through this group that we call friends and family. Lord, challenge us, challenge our hearts to see what those gifts are individually and collectively and how we come together as a body that glorifies you in these four walls and far beyond. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you've planted those seeds in our heart. And Lord, we ask for your, your strength and your guidance to move through us, to be a wave, to be this fresh wave, much like the sunshine is in these last days, that will cause us to respond to your heart in a way that glorifies you. And we give you all of the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
draw close to the Lord, he will draw close to us, and that is such a comfort, and sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I have to flounder a long time before I remember, hey, maybe this would be a good time to talk to God about that and draw close to him, and so it's just, it's such a good reminder. I love that song. You know, we were made to be in close relationship with God. That's what he wants from us, and that's such a cool thing, um, that he wants that relationship with us. Kinda, sometimes kind of overwhelms me to think that way. Um, transitioning to next week, is next week the last Sunday of the month? Oh, we have two weeks. Okay, in two <laughs> weeks, we, we will have a food Sunday. We don't really have a theme yet. I think we're going with food or potluck or something like that. If somebody <laughs> else has, like, a burning theme, I was just talking to the junior high kids about this, and they were saying, let's have everything American. And I was like, well, I don't know. I, I think most, most, yeah. So they were suggesting we actually grill out because it's kind of getting warm, but I don't know what the weather will be in two weeks. But if anybody wants to, like, organize that whole bringing a grill thing <laughs> you could be talking to us and I think we'd be open to that so the good news is we have one more week to kind of think this through and see if anything surfaces um, we're going to kind of close down today 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.